0: today on Better News Radio with Pastor Ricky Elcantan.
1: Greater is he that is in us than our old self. God sends us the Holy Spirit who breaks sin's power, who will make us more and more and more like Jesus. Because of the Spirit, because of this new life in Jesus, we can obey. We can follow Jesus. If you are in Christ, Jesus says, no one is going to snatch you out of my hand. Not even your own sinful desires. But Peter says your part in this is significant. You must fight. You must hold back from the sinful passions you'd like to pursue.
0: Hope in God oh my soul As Pastor Ricky continues his teaching series through 1 Peter, he'll be exhorting us to cooperate with the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. As born-again Christians, we have the Holy Spirit of God living within us and have the same power that rose Jesus from the dead to guide us. You're no longer enslaved to sin because the Bible says that sin no longer has dominion over you. God is doing a work of holiness and sanctification in your life. And the only one holding this work back is you. Now, here's Pastor Ricky with part two of his message entitled, Missional Holiness.
1: Before Peter talks about the struggle with the world out there, he talks about our struggle with the world in here. We as Christians like to talk about taking a stand, you know, fighting for Christianity. And we often think about fighting for Christ and Christianity out there, right? Like somewhere where there's like a CNN camera and an American flag behind us and the wind is rustling and we give kind of an inspiration, I am standing for the Lord with a deeper voice than we normally use, right? And standing for him out there, Peter says, no, 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 no. Before we talk about out there, which we'll get to in First Peter, let's talk about in here. The most intense struggle you will face in your life is the war in your own soul. The place you must fight bravest and longest is in your own soul soul. And it will not get you on CNN. Taking a stand for Jesus in your heart will not, but it will reshape your life. Peter says, this is what I want you to do. I want you to abstain from the passions of the flesh. Now, to abstain means to hold back, to not do something. And what is that? He doesn't want you to do? The passions of the flesh. And that, that doesn't just mean... Um, your kind of your normal desires, hey, I need to eat or whatever. These are, he's referring to the sinful passions of the flesh. When, when scripture often in the New Testament talks about the flesh, it means your sinful humanity that remains even after coming to Christ. So he's saying, do not follow the desires that are sinful that you feel, that are in line with the world around you, but not in line with the world to come. Now, I, I didn't see th- this movie, but I like the idea of that, that movie that came out in the summer where all the emotions are portrayed by little people, right? And it's cute, and there's like the little anger guy. He's all angry, you know? And the joy person's always joyful, and the sad person's always sad. And, and, and sometimes we think, oh, you know, that's the way it probably is in my heart, you know? I feel anger and joy and all these little things. You know what Peter says? You want to open a window to your heart and see what's, what it's like inside? Go watch The Lord of the Rings, okay? Go watch Braveheart. Your heart is We Were Soldiers. Your heart is Black Hawk Down. Your heart is Gladiator, right? There is an epic, titanic struggle because these passions, Peter says, are waging war against your soul. There is something happening in you, and Peter wants you to be aware of it. He wants you to fight in this battle, but the first thing you need to understand is that there is a war going on, and you are on the front lines as a Christian. Now, there's two things you need to understand as a Christian right here. The first is this, that if you are a Christian, you will still struggle with sin. Um, Peter has already said that we've been born again in chapter one, that we have a new life with Jesus, So the complete power of sin is broken over us. We have a new life in Jesus. We can choose to obey and follow God, but the presence of sin still remains. And we must be vigilant against it. We must kind of, in a sense, go to war against it. The Puritan John Owen famously said, be killing sin or it will be killing you. In other words, if you do nothing, sin will not do the same. I've heard it said, the sin is not a gentleman where you put down your sword, it puts down his. Like, oh, are we not going to offense to today? Okay, great, then um, if you won't do anything godly, I, I promise I won't do anything um, sinful, okay? Like, it's not a gentleman, Right? You wake up, don't have a quiet time, don't pray, don't read scripture, don't determine to be kind to your family, don't determine to be patient. Your sin goes to work. It says, perfect, let's go. Now there is good news though. Greater is he that is in us than our old self. God sends us the Holy Spirit who breaks sin's power, who will make us more and more and more like Jesus. Because of the Spirit, because of this new life in Jesus, we can obey, we can follow Jesus. If you are in Christ, Jesus says, no one is gonna snatch you out of my hand. Not even your own sinful desires. But Peter says, your part in this is significant. You must fight. You must hold back from the sinful passions you'd like to pursue, Now, the second thing you need to understand is this, that if you're struggling with sin, it does not mean you're not a Christian. I talked to somebody recently who was struggling with whether they were a Christian because they were still fighting sin. But as they described it, they were confessing this sin. They hated it. They didn't want to pursue it anymore. And I told them, that actually shows that you are a Christian. Because apart from Christ, you would be following the ways of the world, happy-go-lucky, or maybe a ping of conscience here and there. But in Christ, sin is distasteful. We realize, I don't want the stuff of this world. I want the stuff of the better world. So something does not sit right with us. And they're confessing it. They're asking for help. And I'm saying, that, that is the Holy Spirit at work in you. When your conscience is uneasy, when you desire to obey God, that is God's Spirit at work in you. So what's Peter saying? Peter's saying is this. You are from another world, so don't live like this world. I heard a story recently about um, some of the major failures that happened in the major investment banks that led to a near financial collapse in the U.S. Now, everybody, as soon as I said that, just tuned out. Stick with me. Stick with me. Here's what happened. So after several financial crises that were previous to this last one, uh, they realized there's certain things they needed to regulate better, and so their idea was, well, let's take a bank regulator and let's put him in the middle of the bank that he's supposed to be regulating, right? So, Goldman Sachs or Lehman Brothers or whatever. And so, they, maybe a small team, would be there in this bank, and the idea was, well, then they'll have access to everything and they can see everything and they'll kinda know what's going on, but they did not plan on something, which is this that every day they went to work at the same place as the people around them. Every day they had their lunch in the lunchroom with the people around them. Every day, every few months they celebrated a birthday with somebody around them. They'd go go out to lunch with their colleagues around them. They would get to know these folks, perhaps get to know their families. And when it came time, when they saw something that seemed a little bit off, they went, well, you know, I wanna make waves. Because in essence, all of these people were their coworkers. Even though they were supposed to work for the regulator, they were embedded in the bank. And, and what happened is over a period of years, they, in, some of the, in some cases where failures occurred, it occurred because the people that were supposed to be regulating the banks became such good friends with the banks, the interests of the banks and them were the same. And then they were actually arguing more with their bosses who were the regulators, right? And of course, the banks did some things to maybe grease the wheels, nicer office, better food in the break room. I don't know what they could do, but the point is they were called to live like they were from another world in the midst of the world they found themselves, but they became part of that world instead. And we face the same temptation as Christians. We are in exile. We are saying we're not from this world, but we live here. And so subtly, slowly, over time, we begin to go, well, this doesn't seem too bad. Or, well, I kind of like this aspect of the world. Well, I'm going to be here a while. And Peter says, no, there's a war going on in your heart. Now, this is, this is the reality, friends. Either sin or godliness will be strange to us. We will either find sin strange and godliness normal or godliness strange and sin normal. The world finds godliness very strange and sin very normal. I think this is a good test for us. I think we as Christians should regularly be asking, does the stuff of the world around me seem strange? Think about this. Is flattering the boss and talking behind your coworkers' backs and cutting corners to fake results at your job, is that normal or strange? People do it. All the time. But is that normal to you or is there something in you going, no, that's that's strange. Or is somebody who doesn't participate in office gossip, somebody who is respectful even to jerk employees, somebody who takes responsibility for things that wasn't his or her fault in the workplace, is that normal or strange? Think about it this way. Is watching HBO or whatever other shows with tons of nudity, of course the nudity is only there to advance the plot, is that normal to you or strange? Or is a 38-year-old single person who does not have sex because they're not married seem more normal or more strange? See, the world looks at that woman or man and says, you're a freak, something's wrong with you all the while clicking through show after show of what would only be labeled pornography a few years ago. And there's something about us as Christians that should say one of these is strange and one of these is normal. Is a continual lust for newer and better stuff normal or strange to you? A continual lust for newer and better phones, or cars, or homes, or vacations. Is that normal to you or strange? Or is somebody with a small house and an old car who gives their money away to orphans normal or strange? See, the world looks at that list and goes, I know know what's normal, and I know what's weird. And yet the Bible would have a different view. Now, I want to just real briefly touch on something. Um, I think a huge application for us, friends, has to be in our consumption of media. Um, You can think that media does not affect you, but study after study after study shows that the media you consume affects your behavior. Why? Because media wins your heart. It wins your heart, which wins your mind, which wins your actions the passions that allow you to drive your media consumption will end up controlling you. Saying, well, I just like watching this show that glorifies X and Y and Z. It doesn't affect me. That passion that wants to see that show will eventually come out in your life. We, We are, friends, as Christians, we are the freaks of this world who believe that we don't want to look at naked people who are who we are not married to. <laughs> That's freakish in our culture today. That's prudish in our culture today. We, we are in a massive slide where pornography is so normal that I just saw an announcement that Playboy is not going to have naked people in it anymore. And the explanation for this was this, that our culture is so awash in that we cannot make money from it anymore. Listen, I I, I love films. I I was a creative writing major. I, I love being at the forefront of culture. I love seeing what everybody's talking about. I love engaging culture. And I hate, I hate looking up every show that it feels like, every show that wins awards on IMDb or some other site and looking at the parental guidance section like a little boy, right? I hate that I have to do that. Go to IMDb, actually find the thing meant for parents for myself, click on it, and then see, in every show, that it seems like I would want to watch nudity, graphic nudity, graphic sex scenes, more nudity. You know what, you know what happens? And then I don't watch it. And I feel like I'm some kind of weirdo. In my creative writing program at UTEP, I didn't write sex scenes and that was weird. Something And the world says, you're missing out. You're missing the boat. You're a restrained, strained, um, prudish weirdo with some fundamentalist 19th century beliefs that is keeping you from expressing yourself the way that you were meant to be. You are missing out. But you know what Peter says? Peter says this, you long for a better country. C.S. Lewis says this. Christian says that creatures are not born with desires unless satisfaction for those desires exists. A baby feels hunger because there's such a thing as food. A duckling wants to swim. There's such a thing as water. Um, People feel sexual desire because there is such a thing as sex. And if I find in myself a desire which no experience in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that I was made for another world. If none of my earthly pleasures satisfy it, that does not prove that the universe is a fraud. Probably earthly pleasures were never meant to satisfy it, but only to arouse it, to suggest the real thing. If that is so, I must take care on one hand, never to despise or be unthankful for these earthly blessings. Or on the other, never mistake them for the something else of which they are only a kind or a copy, or an echo, or a mirage. And I love this. Hear this, friends. I must keep alive in myself the desire for my true country, which I shall not find until after death. I must never let it get snowed under or turned aside. I must make it the main object of life to press on to that country and to help others do The same. I love that. I love, we must keep alive in ourselves a desire for our true country. So Peter says this, you're in exile. Don't live like the world around you but then this will have an effect. I'll just touch on this briefly, but it's important. Third, our effect is that we point this world to the next world. Verse 12 says, keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. Peter says this this living like you're an exile, living like you're not from this world is gonna have an effect. When the culture speaks against you, he says, I, I want you to be honorable. Now, I love, I love, by this. By the way, we'll talk about this more, but love that he assumes that they're gonna speak against you as evildoers. Uh, just side note, sometimes I feel like we as Christians think if we just sort of kind of move our beliefs and our practices in kind of an acceptable box that the world has built for us, then they'll leave us alone. And he says, no, 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 they're going to speak against you. So, <laughs> be really honorable honorable, do a ton of good deeds so that when they do speak against you, their legs are come out from under them. They say, well, listen, those weirdos don't watch, I really want to say the names of TV shows right now. I'm not going to because I don't think it's going to be helpful, but (sighs) X show, those weirdos don't watch X show. But you know what? They show up on time. And they're respectful to even the jerk people in the office. And when there's a crisis in their marriage, they may want to go to the person whose family looks like they love Jesus and who they look like they love their spouse, right? He says, live this way. Um, a commentator Schreiner says this, Christians must live exemplary lives with the kind of good deeds that will make unbelievers take notice. Hence, they will fend off any suggestion that they are practicing evil. Even more important, listen to this, the goal is to provoke unbelievers to glorify God in the day of visitation. Peter's hope was that unbelievers will be compelled to admit that the lifestyle of believers is morally beautiful. And that this admission will bring them to saving faith so that God will be glorified on the day of judgment. Peter is saying this, when Jesus comes back, I want some of your friends and neighbors, some of the same people that are mocking you and slandering you and speaking against you today, some of those same neighbors will be won by your conduct so that when Jesus comes back, they're rejoicing, not in terror. They're gonna be glorying in who God is because of the way that you lived. I don't know if this is a real quote or not, but some people attribute it to Martin Luther and it's good, so I'm gonna share it. I couldn't track it down. It says this. God does not need your good works, but your neighbor does. You are to live in such a way that you live like you're from another world. And people look at that and go, what is different about them? They don't seem to need the stuff of this world. They seem like they're living for something else. What is that? Jesus said this, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden no, do people put a light a lamp and put it under a basket, but they put it on a stand and it gives light to all people in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and glory to your father who is in heaven. The illustration is this, that we're supposed to live out our lives in front of our neighbors, but what Peter is reminding us is this, we must actually be light though. It does no good for us to get in front of unbelievers and get into their lives and get in front of them and then just live the way the rest of the world does. Peter says, no, 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 but there there should be something. There should be in you, to use the language of C.S. Lewis, there should be something of a taste for another world. A smell that they've never smelled before. A glimpse of something they've never seen before. And I just want to say this sometimes we can pit, especially younger folks in Christian circles, can pit um, cultural engagement against holiness. Um, And so it almost feels like sometimes younger Christians say that they should be able to do whatever they want and watch whatever they want and date whoever they want because they're engaging the culture and they're being on mission. But friends, engaging the culture will never mean acceptance by the culture. We want to remove stumbling blocks. We want to fight and reject legalism, but we must stay Holy, We must stay strange. There are some rough edges that we would like to smooth out when we relate to other people that are the very things that point them to another world. We're meant to live in this world like we're from another world for the sake of the world around us. I'd love the worship team to come and We'd love to close with a song. But I'm going to end with this quote. Once again, C.S. Lewis, he says this. At present, we are on the outside of the real world, the wrong side of the door. We discern the freshness and purity of the morning through the door, but they do not make us fresh and pure. We can't mingle with the splendors we see. But I love this, listen. But all the leaves of the New Testament are rustling with the rumor that it will not always be so. Someday, God willing, we shall get in.
0: Hope in God, oh my soul, He is strong and He is strong to save. Hope in God, He's a rock and your hiding place. He's a mighty fortress. Hope is something that many people have little of, and yet we clamor for the latest this or that believing that our longing for hope will be fulfilled. Pastor Ricky will be teaching through the book of 1 Peter here on Better News Radio. We'll learn that hope is something that is beyond this world, and that our lives will become holy once we hope in the eternal. For more information, email us at radio at betternewsradio.com. Sometimes it is just easier to call. Our phone number is 915 562-7100. We'll be happy to help you. Again, that number to call is 915-562-7100. You can learn more about Better News Radio, Cross of Grace Church, and Pastor Ricky at our website, betternewsradio.com. All of Pastor Ricky's messages through the Bible are available to listen to or download for free at betternewsradio.com. That's betternewsradio.com. You'll also find contact information, driving directions to the church, and details about activities and upcoming events on our website. We also encourage you to follow the Better News Radio Twitter feed at Cross of Grace EP, where Ricky tweets additional thoughts about the messages you hear on Better News Radio. Or connect with us on Facebook at Cross of Grace EP. Well, that's all the time we have for today. From all of the production team here at Better News Radio, we want to say thank you for tuning in and please make plans to join us again for the next edition of Better News Radio.